This is the Ministers of the New Covenant radio broadcast. We come to you in the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Son of the Most High Yahweh. Tune in each week to hear teachings directly from Scripture, focused upon believing in the Father, His Son, and the holy and righteous law of our Creator. At the end of this broadcast, we will give you the web address whereby you may contact us for further scriptural information. To the world, the sound seems to go in one ear and out the other. To most 21st century churchgoers, a concern is not even there. To people who love to have children and homeschool them and nurture them, looking at them as the psalmist said, like arrows in the hands of a mighty man. The words are like fingernails on a chalkboard. And what words do I speak of? Two words. Family planning. Now, of course, I'm talking about the term as it is defined today, in 2013. This term covers those in the world who do not want children or who want to have as few children as possible, and then turn them over to someone else's care almost the moment that they're born. See, people do not love their children. Now, that might sound harsh, but love can only be defined biblically. If parents do not express a biblical, covenantal love for their children, then an authentic love is not really there. And parents do not consider their children as blessings from above today. Some would probably even say that they were a curse from below. And such talk is really paramount to blasphemy. But this is the mentality of modern day America. And what gets me is that parents generally blame their small children for the way that they act at home or in public. They seem to be awestruck at how their little Johnny could act the way that he does when they go to the department store. Why, they wonder, does my child pitch these fits all the time? And all the while, what they need to understand is that from the moment that the child is born, and even before birth, while the child is still in the womb, they have to recognize that it is their responsibility to train up the children that Yahweh has entrusted to them. And like I said, many parents today do not train their children. A daycare trains their children. Government school trains their children. And at the same time, these children learn constant filth from other children who are allowed to watch just about anything on the television network. Now, if the parent is not wondering what's wrong with their child, then they are usually making excuses for why they act the way that they do. And the most famous is, well... She's just going through a phase. Or, you know, what they say about the terrible twos, as if there's nothing within the realm of possibility that could make their children behave in a holy manner. Now, you might be wondering, why am I talking about family and children from the get-go when I've been talking for the past two weeks about marriage? Well, I want to talk about family planning, and that's why I begin the lesson tonight on children. Family planning can be a good phrase if it's used in the proper sense. And I specifically speak of planning for the well-being of our family. And this includes planning for the well-being of our wife, men. Now, I have one wife, and I have five children. 
and I love them. And my wife, she homeschools these children. She takes care of my home as a holy, righteous woman should do. But just as we must look at our children as a blessing from above, we also have to look at our wives, men, as a blessing from above. See, Proverbs 18.22 teaches us that a man who finds a wife finds a good thing and has obtained the favor of Yahweh. Definitions for the word favor include acceptance, goodwill, pleasure, delight. And we need to just think about it because when you find a wife, you found goodwill or the pleasure of the Almighty. And this is not all you found, though. For if you read Proverbs 19.14 in relation with Proverbs 18.22, this verse says that houses and riches are received by a man from his father. However, a prudent wife is from Yahweh. See, it is Yahweh, not the man's father, which gives man a prudent wife. Brothers, your wife is a blessing, whether you know it or not. Whether you accept it or not, she is a blessing. Now, many of you men who just listened to what I said, either thought about or maybe you said to yourself, Brother Matthew, my wife is not prudent. <laughs> and I knew you would say that, and I'm ready to combat that statement with the Bible lest you forget entirely what we've learned in the past two weeks about husbands loving their wives. Now remember, as I covered last week, husband, you're to love her as Christ loved the church. And the church was certainly not prudent when Christ died for its members. Whether or not you have a prudent wife right now is not the issue. The issue is the love that you should have for your wife. See, she may not be prudent this very moment, but I guarantee you, no, I don't guarantee you, Scripture, Holy Scripture, Yahweh Almighty guarantees you, if you do what Yahweh requires of you as her husband, she will eventually be more prudent than you possibly ever dreamed of. Now, let me step aside here for a few moments, and I want to deal with something since we're talking about Genuine family planning, the true meaning of family planning, planning for the well-being and care of your family, which includes your wife. Husbands should not only love their wives, but they should also love the wife of their future son-in-law and the husband of their future daughter-in-law. Now, we could put it another way by saying that fathers should love their daughters and their sons. And I bring up this point to further combat the objection that says, well, Brother Matthew, my wife is not prudent. Well, see, this objection could be brought to nothing if the head of the home, that is the father or the husband, you, brother, would take ample time to diligently teach your children to be careful who they set their eyes upon for a spouse. See, a child's parents should always be choosy with whom their child marries. And likewise, the grown man or woman who may have been through a divorce or become widowed needs to be choosy with whom they may become remarried to. So, there's a famous passage, I heard it a lot growing up, and it says that Christians should not be unequally yoked together 
with unbelievers. That passage is in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, if you're taking notes. In this passage, the Apostle Paul, he borrows from a statute, a commandment, in the Torah. The Torah is the first five books of the scriptures, specifically in Hebrew, that is uh, Bereshit, Shemot, Vayikra, Bamidbar, and Devarim, Genesis through Deuteronomy in Greek or in English. The Apostle Paul borrows from a commandment in the Torah where Yahweh commands the Israelites not to plow with an ox and a donkey together. See, agrarian Israel would plow with their animals as all people used to do, even here in Georgia, my home state. Many times there would be a double yoke which could hold two animals, one on either side. So two oxen could be placed in this double yoke to give more pulling power to the hoe being dragged through the soil for you know loosening purposes, breaking up the ground and what have you. And you could also place an ox in one side of the yoke and a donkey in the other side of the yoke. You could do that, but it was unlawful according to the book of Devarim or Deuteronomy 22 verse 10. And there's a Christian commentator by the name of Albert Barnes who states on this particular passage, he states this, quote, The ox and the donkey being of such different size and strength, it would be cruel to the latter to yoke them together, end of quote. In other words, the donkey could not pull as hard as the ox, and thus both animals, they would be off balance, see, and they would be unable to perform the job at hand adequately. It just would not work properly, and this is what Paul alludes to in the second epistle that he wrote to the church at Corinth. Why parents ever allow their children to get entangled or in a relationship with unbelievers is beyond my comprehension. Okay, now I have five children. My oldest is a girl. She's precious. Her daddy loves her dearly. Her name is Morgan, and she loves Yahweh. She, because I have trained her up since she was small to honor her parents and to honor the scriptures and to honor Yahweh, she now, even as a teenager, is of the mentality that she recognizes when she looks for a man to court her and to love her and to be her husband one day, that she must look for one that meets the approval, number one, of Almighty Yahweh, but number two, of her father and her mother. That's what she has in her mind, because I started her off like that from the date of her birth. Now, I'm not saying that my daughter is perfect. My children are far from perfect. They've got many spankings over the years. <laughs> and my little boy, David, he's four years old, almost five, and he's still getting those loving spankings from his dad and his mom when he needs them because he that loveth his son disciplineth his son according to the book of Proverbs but he that hateth his son does not discipline his son so I'm not making my children out to be perfect by any means they're sinners just like all of us but I have trained them according to the scriptures and the problem is people do not train their children up their children run around like hellions disrespectful to their parents, disrespectful to other people, and then they grow up as teenagers and they backtalk their parents and they backtalk authority and they think that they want to go against any sense of holiness and righteousness when it comes to finding 
a mate or a spouse. Now, I do believe that part of the reason that all of this is out of whack is because of what I sometimes call the dating game. The dating game mentality that has become prevalent in all homes in America today and around the world, whether they're Christian or not, and what I mean is that parents believe that it is okay for their daughter to be dating this boy and then break up with him and go on to the next. That's wrong. Now, I know that might not sit well with a lot of Christian parents today, but I want you to just sit still and hear me out. That is wrong. What happens is that that mentality that you're allowing your daughter or your son to go through, that mentality is carried over into the actual marriage. So when they do get married, they think to themselves, well, even if it doesn't work, I can just break up. That is, I can just get a divorce. See, this concept of dating might include holding hands with every boy that she dates, or it could include more intimate things in nature that should only occur within marriage, sexual activity, things of that nature. So the scriptural way to handle your daughter, and remember, she's the future wife of your son-in-law, men, the scriptural way to handle your daughter in that situation is to allow them to be courted when they come of age by a suitable young man who is seriously interested in pursuing marriage to your daughter and who has your approval. Now, such a method is very scriptural. And a lot of men have asked me, well, Brother Matthew, at what age do you think that the girl should look for a suitor or someone to court her? And I don't have a particular scripture to tell you, point blank, in my own mind. I'm using my reasoning faculties, and it may be different for different girls, but right now my daughter is 15 years old, and I believe that she is at the age where she can start looking and start having that desire in her life. That doesn't mean I'm going to let her get married tomorrow, okay? <laughs> I love my daughter, and that's a scary thought. But I think she's old enough and mature enough to begin that process right now with the oversight of me and her mom. So what this brings me to is the patriarchal rule in the home. Holy righteous leaders of the home seek to honor Yahweh by loving their wife, loving their children, and by also seeking to genuinely plan for the well-being of their family, family planning. And not only of their family, but specifically the future families of their children. And if we could get a long-range vision in our mind about having each of our children grow up and start Yahweh-fearing families themselves with Yahweh-fearing children, well, in a few generations, we would have several hundred law-abiding citizens in reference to the kingdom of Yahweh. And shall I say that it would be Yahweh's will being done in earth as it also is in heaven. See, fathers need to be aware of passages like Numbers chapter 30, verses 3 through 5, where we are taught that the daughter of a home does have a choice to make vows of her own. But ultimately, it is her father that allows or disallows the vow to be made. Why? Why is that? Well, because the father loves his daughter. It's not. It is not because he's got this big, giant, domineering thumb on top of his daughter, and he never, ever wants her to get married and wants her to just grow up and be a 60- and 70-year-old woman that has never experienced marriage. 
There are some fathers that have that mindset mentality, and that is wrong. You should desire men, husbands, leaders, fathers, for your daughters to grow up and get married to righteous men and start families on their own. Okay, so the authority that you have over your daughter is an authority, but it is not one where you push and shove her around like some kind of dictator. There's a difference between a righteous leader and a dictator. The reason that you exert that authority over your daughter is because you love her and you know what's best for her and you want to see the best take place in your daughter's life. And you want to seek for your daughter to walk in the will of Yahweh. That's why. Now, let me get real practical here, okay? Suppose that a daughter is raised in a righteous home, but around the age of 16 years old, she decides that she has fallen in love with this man who has already been married a couple of times. He's not living for Yahweh. But your daughter is enamored by this quote-unquote love. It's not real love. We know that. But this quote-unquote love that this older young man, older than her, has for her. And she's persuaded in her own mind that she wants to spend the rest of her life with him. Now, meanwhile, at the house, the father knows that this man is not righteous. He knows his lifestyle. And he also knows that he will be nothing but trouble for his daughter, just like he was for the previous two women that he did not treat properly. Nevertheless, the daughter runs off and gets married without her father's permission in defiance of her father's instructions. I ask the question, is the daughter really married? Well, the answer is, not if the father has disallowed her marriage to this man. Now, it is the father that has the authority to take control and make the decision that she is not going to marry this hooligan, is what he is. Numbers chapter 30, verse 5 says in part, quote, If her father disallow her in the day that he heareth, not any of her vows or of her bonds wherewith she hath bound her soul shall stand, end of quote. So if the father annuls the wedding vows that his daughter has taken with this man on the day that he hears about them, then those vows are not vows at all. And her continuing to live with that man would not constitute a biblical marriage, but rather unlawful fornication. Now, there are other passages in Scripture that teach us that the father has the authority to disallow marriage to a man that has taken his daughter's virginity. For instance, these Scriptures are Exodus 22, 16-17, and Deuteronomy 22:28-29. These statutes in Yahweh's law teach us that if a man lies with a virgin woman, and what that means is has sex with a virgin woman who is not engaged to a husband already, this man is to, number one, pay the father the price for the virgin that is called the dowry, the virgin's dowry, and number two, he's to marry the young woman and never put her away for the rest of his life. Now, let me point out that point number two may not necessarily take place. For instance, if this man is not fit for his daughter, that is, if the father knows that this man is going to give his daughter a difficult and unholy life, the father can utterly refuse his daughter's hand in marriage to that man. 
It is the father's choice. It is not the daughter's choice. Now, some of you husbands or fathers might be saying, well, my daughter would never stand for that. But I want to ask you, brothers, and I want to ask you gently, but I want to also be forthright. Why would your daughter never stand for that? Could it be that you, the male head of the home, supposed to be, are not doing your job as a husband and a father? See, if we diligently trained our daughters from infancy that their daddy wanted the best for them and that they were under his covering until he permitted them to marry a holy Christian young man, the outcome of our daughter's teenage years would undoubtedly be different. Now, I don't want you to try to tell me that they wouldn't. For I've seen daughters. I have watched it with my own eyes on both ends of the spectrum. I've seen teenage girls who treat their father with the utmost respect. And much of that respect stems from the father taking the time to gently train his daughter up in the way that she should go and be the father that she needs him to be. He took time for her. And now she's going to respect his decision. His household wasn't just a household of rules and regulations. It was a household of love and nurture and care because he wanted what was best for his daughter. And what your daughter also needs to see in your honor and your respect is that you honor and respect and love your wife. She needs to see, that is your daughter, needs to see you holding hands with her mother and telling her mother, I love you dearly. Now, I know this next one is a difficult one at times, but children need never to see their parents in a feud or an argumentative conversation. And, brothers, I'll just be honest with you, I have not always followed that in my home. There has been times when I have gotten coarse with my wife in front of my children, and I have felt terrible about it afterwards. But that doesn't make it right. Just because I did it, it's, a, it's wrong. And the children do not need to see that take place. Now, sometimes certain conversations that are at a higher elevation when it comes to the heat level, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> sometimes those conversations might have to take place to some degree because there's problems that might arise in the home or in society or in the church or what have you. But it is not the place to bring the children into the picture in those issues. So if your daughter... Instead, we'll see the holy emotion that you give to her mother. She will desire to marry a man that will give her that same holy emotion rather than an illusion of emotion. So let me pull you back into reality here. I probably lost some people because you're thinking, man, this is like back in the 1800s or something like that. And I'm not saying that I'm for arranged marriages or that I would force my daughter to marry someone she did not love, please do not misunderstand what I'm saying. Although I do believe that sometimes arranged marriages do work out great. Okay. Now, my oldest daughter, she's turned 15 now. And back when she was just turning around 10 years old, I began to briefly talk with her about what my wife and I would call her true love. And sometimes I tease my youngest daughter that since she was like four years old by telling her, Honey, you're my love, but not my true love. And my youngest daughter, when she was real little, she'd reply, Oh, Dad, I know. Mommy is your true love. And my oldest daughter, now that she's 15, she understands that when she comes of age to get married, she 
must have her daddy's approval. And this means that if I do not believe the young man is fit to take care of my daughter, then she will not be allowed to marry him. And she'll respect my decision. Now, I'm not going to be unreasonable about the situation. A lot of people take me in the wrong way and they think I'm some kind of, like I said before, dictator. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that Yahweh has given me the authority to protect my little princess and protect her is what I'm going to do for it's my duty as a husband to my wife as a father to my children my daughter knows that daddy will be seeking what is best for her spiritually and even in the physical realm of marriage I don't want my daughter to marry a drunkard I don't want my daughter to marry a wife beater I don't want my daughter to marry an adulterer I don't want my daughter to marry a fornicator or a man that's going to curse her all the days of his life. Now, I realize that I cannot see into a man's soul and I cannot make perfect judgment on any of these matters. But I can do my best to, over a period of time, watch this fruit in a young man's life. And I can tell if he's a wolf in sheep's clothing or if he's a sheep inside and out. And brothers, whether you want to hear me on this or not, you know that you need to do the exact same thing. Now, for those of you brothers who may have not come into the faith until your children were grown and out of the house, you can't turn around and take back what has already happened. For those of you brothers who may have not come into the faith until your children were older and you didn't get a chance to train them from their infancy, I understand that it's not going to be as easy. And I, I extend that mercy and I extend that grace towards you. And I'm not trying to point you out and I'm not trying to say that you've got sin in your life and I don't I'm just as wretched and rotten as the next fella or any person on the earth but by the grace of Yahweh and I'm saying all of this in response to those married men who might say that their wife is not very prudent like I started out with for these men you have to still continue to perform your duty as a husband and for those who are unmarried men Take the extra effort to look for a spouse, a wife, who you will be able to spend the rest of your life serving Yahweh with. A good friend of mine said that when he came to the faith, he was single at the time, and he prayed and asked Yahweh, Yahweh, send me a wife who loves you, because I know if she loves you, I'll have to love her. It's a beautiful prayer, brothers. Beautiful prayer. See, women, if there's any women listening... A man might be able to whisper sweet nothings in your ear, as my wife says, <laughs> but that doesn't mean he's going to be the man of Yahweh that he needs to be two years after you're married to him. And men, just because a woman may be beautiful to your eyes doesn't mean she's going to be fearful of Yahweh's ways as long as you both shall live. And I say to parents, you love your children enough to take time out to train them and to teach them. Take them out of the government school system. They shouldn't be in there. If you love Yahweh and you love your children, you will remove your child. As difficult as it might put you in a certain situation because you're not used to it, the love for Yahweh and your child will override all of that 
you will take them out of that pagan government education system where they're learning nothing but evolution. They're learning now that same-sex marriage is an alternate lifestyle. They're passing out condoms to little boys in school, and they're teaching them that the Bible is false, Yeshua is a liar, and all of this is just wrong, and they're teaching them a worldly worldview, and it is wrong, and it is sinful, and if you love them, you will take them out of that pagan, heathen society that they're in. And you'll bring them home to your house where they belong. And you will teach them along with your wife. And when they grow older, they will look to you for your guidance in the area of choosing a husband or a wife. And let me say as I close, let me speak to you married men. After all, I'm teaching a series called Husbands Love Your Wives. So it's fitting that I end this lesson with an admonition to the husbands. Men, the answer to a wife who is not prudent is not divorce. It is not seeing what other kind of fish there are in the sea. The answer is for you to begin to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And when I generally talk to men who complain about the way their wife treats them, I ask them if they have really and truly loved her ever as Christ loved the church. And you know what the first response I get is? Either they roll their eyes at me, or their facial expression is so disgusted that they can't stand what I just said. But I want you to know, that's the answer. And I'm going to continue to give it, and any righteous preacher will give it to you. You need to try to do it with all your might. You need to plan for greatness for your wife. You need to plan for her to be holy. You need to plan for her to be without blemish. You've been listening to the Ministers of the New Covenant radio broadcast. Our website is ministersnewcovenant.org. That's ministersnewcovenant.org. Please visit our website where you will find hundreds of audio sermons as well as videos, books, and articles explaining various doctrines in the scriptural faith. For questions, you can also call 678-347-6240. That's 678-347-6240. Thanks for listening, and according to His will, may Yahweh richly bless.